I am about to tell you how you can get better at almost everything in life that matters. How you can make better decisions that lead you to more successful outcomes, including making more money. How you can increase your emotional intelligence, enabling you to manage your own emotions more effectively and understand the emotions and motivations of others more deeply so that you can take relationships to a new level. And I'm talking about personal romantic relationships as well as work relationships. Now, I know I'm promising a lot, but I will deliver. You're gonna like this. I'm pretty excited about this particular topic. It's based on an area of research in psychology and neuroscience that's exploding right now. And there's a good chance this will be the first time you've heard someone talk about it. All right, let's dive in. You know how some people, when they see someone make a mistake, they'll get all condescending and say, what are you doing? Use your head. Well, it turns out that that advice to use your head is pretty much the worst advice anyone can give you. This is why one of Tony Robbins' favorite catchphrases is, get in your head and you're dead. When we make decisions or interact with other people based only on rational, logical, linear thinking, without taking into account what we feel in our bodies, we generally get pretty shitty results. There's a mountain of peer-reviewed research that proves this fact. Our bodies know better than our brains. And the better we are at sensing what's going on in our bodies, the better we are at pretty much everything, including reasoning and rational decision-making. Things that seem like they're purely about thinking clearly. Now, let me guess what you're thinking. Uh, Mike, I make decisions and do pretty much everything else in my life with my mind. And I'm pretty sure my mind is located inside my brain, which is contained entirely by my skull. My body's role is to carry my brain around and to connect it to the outside world. My body's not here to make decisions or analyze emotions. It's here to talk and eat and walk around and have sex and drive a car and occasionally exercise, not to make decisions. Well, that is a very reasonable point of view. In fact, I think it's fair to say that most people in the world, including a lot of highly educated, successful, intelligent human beings, think about the brain-body relationship like that. And that's the way it's been since over 400 years ago, when a French philosopher named René Descartes declared that the mind and the body are two completely separate entities. This idea, which people refer to as mind-body dualism, says there's the mental realm and the physical realm, and these two things do not overlap at all. Mind and matter, Descartes believed, are two completely separate things. His most famous one-liner, I think, therefore I am, captured the idea. You think and you have knowledge because of a higher power. This is what he said. But your body is disconnected from that higher power. It's just matter like plants or dirt or any other matter. Well, philosophers have written literally millions of words on this topic. And for our purposes, we can just scratch the surface of all that. What matters is that for a long time, pretty much everyone thought Descartes was right, that the mental and the physical worlds had a big wall between them until around a hundred years ago when William James the guy people call the father of American psychology, 
told the world just how wrong Descartes was. James was the first one to say that emotions exist in the body and our feelings come from awareness of what's going on in the body. So according to James, if you're walking down the street, minding your own business, and then all of a sudden, you're swarmed by zombies who wanna bite off chunks of your flesh and turn you into one of them? You don't feel afraid until your heart starts racing and your muscles tense up and your breathing gets fast and shallow. And then your brain senses those things happening in your body. And that is what causes you to feel fear. Now, at the same time William James came up with this theory in Boston, where he was a professor at Harvard, another guy, a physician named Carl Lang, who lived 4,000 miles away in Copenhagen, came up with exactly the same theory. So they both get credit for it. It's called the James Lang theory of emotion. And it's been pretty controversial for the past century. Until recently, 10 years ago, a neuroscientist named Antonio Damasio published a book called Descartes' Error, Emotion, Reason, and the Human Brain. And the core message of the book was, as you might have guessed from the title, that Descartes was wrong and that James and Lang were right. But Damasio took it a giant step further. What he laid out and what's now widely accepted as truth is that the mind includes the body and that without the body, the brain doesn't do very well, especially if we're talking about decision-making, managing emotions, or connecting with others. Here's the big idea. In this moment in time, you are perceiving two different worlds. One is everything outside your body. The words you hear me saying, the images on your screen, the smell of your neighbor's trash cans. That's called exteroception, which just means perception of things outside of you. The other world is the one inside the boundary of your skin. And there's a lot going on in there, most of which you're not aware of. But you can choose to focus your attention inward. You can feel the air going in and out of your lungs. You can feel whether your stomach is full or empty, whether your muscles are tense or relaxed. This is called interoception, perceiving what's going on inside you. Now, the idea that Damasio got people talking about, an idea that scientists around the world are now dedicating their lives to studying, is that emotions are based on interoception and our decision-making is based on emotion, which means the quality of your decisions is determined to a large extent by how well you can sense the internal state of your body. People who are better at interoception make better decisions. Many, many studies published in top peer-reviewed journals have shown this to be true. And a great place to read about this exciting research is in this book, which, as it happens, was my inspiration for this video. The Extended Mind, The Power of Thinking Outside the Brain. It's by a fantastic science journalist named Annie Murphy Paul. And she does a great job of narrating the audiobook. Here's one of my favorite examples she gives. Researchers looked at financial traders in London. These are people who make a ton of decisions every day. And it's really easy to measure how good those decisions are. You look at how much money they make for their clients and for themselves. By definition, the ones who get the best returns on investments are making the best decisions. And here's a weird fact about traders in London and around the world. How successful they are has zero to do with how smart they are or how educated they are. 
on every trading floor in every financial market around the world, you'll find people with degrees from fancy universities whose IQs are genius level. And they're getting out-earned by people with much lower IQs and no fancy education. And this research in the field of interoception, which is now one of the hottest topics in neuroscience and psychology, with elite conferences fully dedicated to it, this is what explains that weird fact. And the research is really simple. They take this group of traders and measure how good each one of them is at interoception. The way they do that is they sit them down in a chair in a quiet room and ask them to focus on their heartbeat without using their fingers to feel a pulse, just sitting motionless and turning their attention inward. And they'll ask them to press a button every time their heart beats or to count their heartbeats for a period of time. And then they compare the number they counted with the actual number. All right, you're hearing this and you probably have one of two reactions. Either, how the fuck am I supposed to feel my heartbeat? I don't understand. Or, yeah, of course I feel my heartbeat. Doesn't everyone? And there is a middle group. People who don't think they can do it, but when they're tested, they surprise themselves and find out they can. Now, here's what the research found. The trader's power of interoception, as measured by their accuracy on the heartbeat test, predicted their level of financial success way more than intelligence or education did, which is slightly mind-blowing. Think about it. People who are better at sensing their heartbeat make more money, at least among financial traders. Why would this be true? Well, let's go back to the idea that you make your decisions based on emotion. And it's possible that your reaction to that statement is, bullshit, I don't make decisions based on emotion. I'm a rational, intelligent human being who makes decisions based on reasoning, as it should be. Everyone knows that Spock made better decisions than Kirk because Spock was a Vulcan and Vulcans don't have emotions. They only have logic. Well, that's a decent argument, but there are two flaws in it. One, Spock was only half Vulcan. He was also half human, so he did have emotions. And two, no matter how much you think your decisions are based purely on logic and reason, the research resoundingly disagrees. By the way, if you watch Simon Sinek's famous TED talk, this is exactly what it was about, that we all make decisions with our limbic brains, which is where emotion lives. We buy Apple and Nike products because we have feelings about the Apple and Nike brands, which control our buying decisions way more than any rational thoughts about things like product design or features. But Sinek didn't talk about where emotion comes from, and that is the body. What this is all about is intuition and the fact that intuition is more powerful than logic and reason. The root of the word intuition is the Latin intuere, which means to look inside. That's exactly what intuition is, looking inside. Now, how exactly do we do that? How do we look inside ourselves? Well, between your brain and your internal organs, there is a superhighway known as the vagus nerve. This is the communication channel between brain and body. It's how the brain tells your internal organs what to do, and it's how your organs tell your brain what's going on downstairs. Now you'd think this highway would have more lanes of traffic going down from the brain to the body than going up. I mean, the brain's gotta keep your heart beating and manage a pretty complicated digestive system, plus a whole lot of other organs. But 80% of the information flows from your heart 
gut, lungs, and other organs, up to your brain. Only 20% is your brain sending messages down to the organs. And your gut and heart actually have mini brains of their own. They're called ganglia, and they're basically networks of neurons, nerve cells, exactly like the ones in your brain. Your gut has about 500 million neurons. That's about the same number as my dog Moo has in the brain that's inside her head. Actually, she's a smart one. I bet she has at least 600 million. Quick aside, octopuses actually have nine brains. They have a small brain inside their head, but most of their cognition happens in their arms. An individual arm can make a quick decision to grab a piece of food that's floating by without consulting the central brain. And the arm will even do this after being cut off from the octopus. For the record, I do not endorse or support any experiment that involves cutting off the arm of any animal, especially one as smart as an octopus. We don't need to be doing that shit. Octopuses are one of the best example of what's called embodied cognition, which refers to thinking happening in the body. And it absolutely is something that we humans do. In fact, our bodies are often, or possibly always, better at problem solving and decision making than our brains. Here's a great example. It's called the Iowa gambling task. And it's something researchers in psychology and neuroscience do. They put down four decks of cards in front of you and label them A, B, C, and D. Then they tell you you're starting with a loan of 2,000 bucks. Your mission is to make a profit. You're gonna pick cards one at a time from the deck of your choice, and each card is either gonna win you some money or cost you some money. But it's like playing the lottery. You won't know how much until you pick the card. What they don't tell you is that two of the decks are better than the other two, and picking cards from those two decks will make you way more money in the end. All right, here's the cool thing. While you're doing this, they have you wired up with a sensor that measures how well your skin conducts electricity. It's called skin conductance. The reason for this is that when your nervous system senses a threat, any kind of potential danger, you start to sweat just a tiny bit. Not enough to see or feel it at first. Now, you're sitting there picking cards one at a time, winning or losing money with each card, and starting around the 10th card, less than a minute into the game, when you reach for one of the bad decks, your skin conductance goes up, which means your body is detecting a threat. And from that point forward, that threat detection response gets stronger. But if I asked you what's going on, which decks, if any, are better or worse, you'd have no idea. Your conscious mind is clueless, even though your body knows the answer. And the crazy thing is, that it's not until around card number 50 that you'd be able to say what's going on. Several minutes after your body had figured it out, Oh, and if we tested your power of interoception using the heartbeat test, the better the result, the more money you'd end up with at the end of the game, just like the financial traders. So what this shows is not only are our bodies better at figuring certain things out, our bodies are actually way faster than our conscious minds. That is the power of intuition, which is the subject of Malcolm Gladwell's second most famous book, Blink, the power of thinking without thinking, which he summarized in this one sentence. There can be as much value in the blink of an eye as in months of rational analysis. Although Gladwell didn't frame it this way, it's really about brain versus body. When you use intuition to look inside, 
and you ask your gut or your heart for the answer, you get it instantly. But stopping to think it through takes time. And Blink is about the fact that stopping to think it through often, but not always, leads to a worse outcome. One of the things he talks about is the fact that people on the autism spectrum tend to make bad snap judgments. What he doesn't say is the reason for this. Autism impairs interoception. People on the autism spectrum are unable to sense what's going on in their bodies. And the greater the degree of autism, the less they can sense their internal state and the less able they are to use intuition to make quick decisions. So for anyone on the autism spectrum, which is more than one out of every 50 Americans, they're gonna be better off if they stop, slow down and think things through before they make any decisions. The absolute best example of this is Elon Musk. As he told the world on Saturday Night Live, he's got ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder. Now, he actually used the term Asperger's Syndrome, but that term's been out of vogue for almost a decade. Now, here's why Elon is such a great example of this. Clearly, he's able to make good decisions, but there is conspicuous proof that he is not so good with the snap judgments. One word, Twitter. It's obvious to the world that Elon Musk does not stop and think about his words before he tweets them. And that leads to things like his joke about taking Tesla private at $420 a share, which prompted the SEC to hold a press conference where they said that tweet was about, and I quote, the significance of that number in marijuana culture and his belief that his girlfriend would be amused by it. And then there was his Kanye for president tweet and calling the British diver who rescued the 12 Thai boys stranded in a cave, a pedophile. And joking that he's thinking of starting the Texas Institute of Technology and Sciences because it spells tits. Now, to a lot of people, it's hard to process how the same guy that makes consistently great business decisions to the point that he made himself the richest human being in the universe can make such bad decisions on Twitter. And even he recognizes they're bad. He frequently has to delete and apologize for what he tweeted. Well, here is the simple explanation. Being on the autism spectrum, Elon's not very good at sensing the internal state of his body. As a result, his intuition isn't very good, and neither are the decisions that he makes quickly based only on intuition. But he has 50 years of practice at compensating for this, and he's got a supercomputer in his head. So what he's learned to do is slow down and think through every decision he cares about, which apparently doesn't apply to Twitter. And in his case, there's no such thing as overthinking. The rational analytical approach leads him to make good decisions. So if you, like Elon, are somewhere on the autism spectrum, the rest of what I'm gonna talk about doesn't apply to you. Your best bet is to throw intuition out the window and rely on stone cold logic and reasoning. The same thing's true if you're a psychopath. It's well known that psychopaths have little to no awareness of their internal bodily sensations. This is why they lack empathy and emotion. So they're pretty likely to make terrible snap judgments. But for the 97% of the population that is neither on the autism spectrum nor a psychopath, the fact is better interoception will lead you to better decisions, better performance, and better outcomes. In other words, the more accurately you can tune into your internal state, the more you'll get what you want from life. Now, 
At this point, you are wondering whether there's anything you can do to get better at interoception. And the answer is yes, there is. And the improvements can be dramatic. So here they are. The five ways to improve your power of interoception and your life. And I will forewarn you, there isn't really anything too exciting or sexy or particularly fun about any of these things. But I guarantee if you put time and energy into doing them, you'll get a payoff that's more than worth it. Okay, number one, practice feeling your heartbeat. Now the way you do this depends on how well you can do it to start. So first, you sit down in a quiet room, let your mind and body settle. Then see if you can detect your heartbeat anywhere in your body without using your fingers to feel your pulse. If you're starting from zero, if you can't do this at all, here's what you do. Put your fingers on your wrist or your neck and feel your pulse for 10 seconds. Then pull them away for a few seconds and try to continue sensing it internally. Now you'll need to scan your body and see if there's anywhere you can feel it. Then repeat 10 seconds with your fingers, a few seconds without. It won't take too many reps before you can do it, at least a little bit. Then you keep doing more reps. You pull your fingers off your pulse for longer periods. Do this every day for a week or two and you'll see a drastic improvement. And what you'll notice from this alone is that you start to get flashes of intuition unlike anything you've ever had before. You'll feel like you know things and you can't explain how you know them. It's pretty cool. All right, number two, meditate. Now, given that you're watching this video and you made it this far, I know what you have to say to me about the idea of meditating. One of two things, either, yeah, Mike, I already do that. Or, uh, I know I should meditate and I should also eat a metric ton of raw broccoli every day, but I ain't gonna do those things. Life's too short. All right, that's cool. Let's keep in mind that what we're talking about here is how to get more of everything you want in life, including money, success in relationships, and better performance at, well, everything. But I know you've already heard a ton of people tell you about the benefits of meditation. So I'll just say this. Meditating is to your brain what the gym is to your body. In particular, meditating makes the interoception muscle in your brain bigger and stronger. Well, it's not exactly a muscle. It's a chunk of brain cells called the right anterior insula. And it's the gateway that connects the state of your body with the state of your mind. This is why people who meditate a lot, like monks, seem to be able to read minds. It's why they seem to have superhuman wisdom. But if you just can't bring yourself to do it, here's an alternative. The third way to improve your power of interoception and your life, body scanning. A lot of people who meditate begin their sessions by doing this. You sit or lie down in a quiet place. Close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. Try to make the exhale at least twice as long as the inhale. Then you begin by focusing on your feet. You scan them for any sensation at all or lack thereof. Is there tension, pain, tightness, numbness, emptiness? Try to come up with some label in your mind for what's going on in that area. And if you can, get really specific. Like, my right foot has no feeling at all, but the toes on my left foot feel a little achy and tingly. As you make that observation in your mind, you inhale and imagine your breath going directly into that area. Then you gradually shift your attention up your body 
your ankles, your lower legs, upper legs, and you keep going till you get to the tippy top of your head. Now, if you're not a meditator, you may hear this and think, fuck no, I'd rather eat cardboard than close my eyes and focus on my ankles. And I get that. But this is one of those things in life where the people who least want to do them are the ones who benefit most from doing them. So if that's you, here's what I suggest. Tell yourself you'll do this for 30 seconds a day, every day for a week. Then if you hate it, you'll never do it again. And during those 30 seconds, focus on where you're holding tension in your body. And don't judge the tension, just observe it and breathe into it. That's it. Now, I know this may seem like a nothing sandwich, but the effects can be profound. Now, the last two things are things you can do in the moment when you're making a decision or having a conversation and the stakes are high. So, you're talking to your wife or husband about having that baby or buying that house, or you're talking to your boss about how big a raise you need, or you're telling a big client how much the project is gonna cost, and what you say next may be hard to unsay. So, what you do is two things. First, number four, force interoception. This means you consciously tune in to the state of your body on the most minute level you can before you decide or say anything. If you need to excuse yourself and go to the bathroom to do this, that's what you do. Here's the idea. Good intuition relies on being keenly aware of the state of your body, especially your gut and your heart. And that awareness is almost always subconscious. It's under the surface, which means you can't be sure it's there. You might be stuck in your head and not tuned in to your heart and gut. I know this may seem ridiculously simple, but it can be life-changing, especially when there's a lot at stake. Taking 10 seconds to tune in and get a read on what the body thinks can make the difference between success and failure. This is especially true if you're stressed, anxious, afraid, or angry. These emotions block interoception. They actually shut down the vagus nerve, and your brain stops receiving status updates from the body. This is why, in Blink, Gladwell says stress makes you temporarily autistic. And this brings us to number five, de-escalate your emotions. Now this one's huge and we can all relate to it. Decisions made or words spoken while angry are pretty much never good. And the same is true of fear, stress, and anxiety, which are all really the same thing. So if you're in a cloud of agitated emotion, you gotta stop and recognize that you're flying blind. Now, how to settle your emotions when you're worked up is the subject of another video. But for now, I'll tell you the single most effective thing you can do. It's called a physiological sigh. You do a double inhale and then a very slow exhale, like this. And you repeat it. That absolutely will settle your nervous system and it will make it easier to overcome the thoughts that caused the escalation in the first place. Now, you may be feeling some skepticism about all of this. Like, is feeling my heartbeat and meditating and breathing really gonna make me rich? Or get me the boyfriend or girlfriend I'm dreaming of? Or get my startup funded? Well, I tend to be pretty skeptical about this kind of thing myself. And 10 years ago, I might not have even given it a chance. So, if you're at all unsure about this, 
Here is what you could choose to say to yourself as soon as this video is over. Although I have doubts, I believe in the power of intuition. And I accept that my gut and my heart may sometimes know better than my brain. So I'm gonna try this out for 30 days and see what changes it brings into my life. Every day for the next month, I'm gonna put time into getting better at going inside. I'll make these five steps part of my day every day, just for a month. And maybe, just maybe, I'll see big things happen. I'll get flashes of intuition and inspiration beyond what I've felt in the past. And I'll see progress that completely silences the skepticism. I'm gonna do this starting today because my heart tells me I need to give it a try. That is what you could choose to say to yourself right now. Hey, it's Mike. Thanks for watching. I'm working on building a community of people dedicated to living the best possible lives they can. It'd mean the world to me if you subscribe. And while you're at it, click the bell for notifications.